a series win to come back from the All-Star break is always, no matter how you slice it, a nice thing. A Whit Merrifield home run. Bo Bichette homer with some uh, insurance late. Two straight wins for the Jays post-All-Star break with a 5-2 win today over the Diamondbacks down at Rogers Center. They are 11 games over 500, which is the best such mark they have had all season long. And on a Saturday where Chris Bassett was a last-minute start, no less. It is always nice to see a big win down here at the Rogers Center uh, in front of an absolutely packed crowd, a sellout crowd, on Chappie Couture Day, who also uh, wrapped up this one with the final out of the ball game. I'm Show Adley. Welcome to Jay's Talk on the Sportsnet Radio Network, streaming live on sportsnet.ca and on the Sportsnet app. Taking your calls and texts. Phone lines are open, 416-870-0590, star-590 on your cellular device, 590-590 is where you can text me. That is the people's text line. It is always open, and I see a couple of texts here already, which we'll get to very shortly. Uh, just real quick, some housekeeping. If you are curious as to the winner of the Kevin Gosman splitter jersey that Ben Shulman and I gave out last Sunday, the final game before the All-Star break, it was Adam from Nova Scotia. He is our winner. The answer to the trivia question, which was, who caught for Kevin Gosman when he was ejected for the first time in his career, which came against the Boston Red Sox? The answer to that question is our very own Caleb Joseph. If you haven't seen the clip, truly, if you haven't seen the clip of Caleb reacting to the umpire after Gosman gets thrown out, I think you would be hard-pressed to decide who is more upset Caleb or Kevin Gossman? Like he throws the mask on the ground. He's like bumping the umpire. I'm kind of shocked Caleb, who was on Blue Jay Central today, by the way, uh, did, did not also get ejected. But Caleb helping us out, he was the answer to that question. Adam from Nova Scotia got that answer correct. He was our draw winner. And you know what? I have some good news for you guys. We have more things to give away. I have a trivia question I will throw out after the Bet365 standings update in the second half of the show. I basically have a Vladimir Guerrero Jr. gold glove bobblehead. Uh, there's the Alc Manoa bobblehead. And we also got the Chappie Couture shirt today. So a few things for you to choose from if you are indeed a winner. Uh, we'll kind of put your name. If you, if you get the answer to correct to the trivia question, I'll put your name into a kind of a Wheel of Fortune-esque randomizer. And if you win... You can pick one of those things. I'll reach out to you, and we can sort it out. But uh, I will throw out the trivia question in the second half of the show, so stay tuned for that. Why don't we start today uh, with Chris Bassett. Six innings, seven hits, two runs, both of which were earned. Quote-unquote earned. Uh, five strikeouts, no walks, 96 pitches, 24 batters faced in those 96 pitches. I mean, he had a pretty efficient day, all things considered. A very certainly very efficient two innings of work to the point that when he did run into trouble, he was able to weather it. And if we're being honest, and I know it's a bang-bang play, but I err on the side that the Jake McCarthy two-RBA single was not a single. It was an out that should have ended the inning. That is not how the umpires or, or the league saw it, apparently. But Bassett, generally speaking, managed to gut it out through six innings of work. Ben Nicholson-Smith mentioned this on the, on the show or on the broadcast today. He used three different pitches to get the first four strikeouts of the game, showing off that seven or eight pitch arsenal. Um, he did get hit somewhat hard in that fourth inning, four straight hits after getting two ground outs, but he, he settled down well enough afterwards. Only the two earned runs and no walks over six innings of work. I think you take that every single day from Bassett. So great stuff from him after he was pressed into work today. And, you know, a, a pivotal moment, the Jake McCarthy 
two RBI single. I see a text here uh, from Tony. Whoever is in the media room is despicable. The guy basically stepped on Belt's foot. That was an out. I can't stand baseball. What are we doing? That was not safe. If the guy was ahead of the throw of the dig, then yes, but Belt beat him. And I, I tend to agree, Tony, the, the McCarthy 2RBI single. I thought Belt, even though it was a bang-bang play, I thought he got his cleat down on the bag before McCarthy got his own cleat on the bag. It was a weird play, though. In the replay, Belt's foot seemed to arrive at the bag before McCarthy's foot was even close. But it, it's almost like Belt couldn't actually put his foot down right away. It almost seemed to hover over the bag. And I also kind of wonder uh, if the first base ump's view was somewhat obstructed because Bassett also got over to the bag. And like BNS said during the game, and, like, and this happens so often, right? But if that play had been called out, and Arizona had challenged, it seemingly would have also been upheld because it was close, but it did seem as though, for me at least, when Belt's cleat touched the white bag, the black cleat of McCarthy had not yet touched the base. I don't know. They were milliseconds apart. It does seem like that's what replay is for. I don't blame the young because it was so fast. It certainly is too fast for the human eye, but the you think the replay cameras would catch that? Anyways, ultimately, it did not matter, but it is kind of funny that the Blue Jays won this game 5-2. There's a real argument because that, that McCarthy thing came with two outs. If that play had been called an out, it is a real chance the Blue Jays win this game 5 nothing, which looks e certainly better for them and looks even better for Chris Bassett. But, hey, Chris Bassett I thought looked great today. Uh, I see here another one from – oh, here's Jen in Toronto. Uh, Jen says, glad Jays won. But uh, infield communication seemed a bit of a mess, confused about Jays attempting the late game challenge. Didn't they burn that? It certainly seemed like that was the case to me. I almost wonder if it maybe did they do it out of habit, perhaps? Because I looked down into the dugout, we're here at the Rogers Center, and you know Schneider usually puts his hand out to the field, and then when he wants to keep going, he, he turns his hand from the stop sign, and he kind of whirls his index finger as, in, as if to say, keep going. And he did that today on the second quote-unquote challenge attempt, but as we know, they lost the challenge on the McCarthy thing. So, I don't know, maybe a, maybe a slight miscommunication. Also some, some miscommunications, certainly, Jen, with uh, uh, Bo on a couple of plays, notably perhaps, most notably perhaps, the uh, Kevin Biggio play as well. It, it looked like Bo probably did have the best angle to get the ball from where he was going to catch it to first. But at the same time, the ball was also hit right to Kevin Biggio, but just the the way ball was coming in, it probably is Biggio's ball, but it doesn't really look like they called each other off there. So, again, perhaps something to work on. Again, maybe not super surprising given that Biggio is not an every, everyday player. Maybe there's – maybe, maybe uh, Merrifield and, and Bo don't have those issues. Maybe Santiago Espinal and Bo don't have those issues, but who knows. I ultimately, it didn't really, it didn't really hurt the team uh, too, too much. I see another text here from – uh, Brad from Nipigon. Uh, hey, show. Hope you're doing well. Hope you're doing well as well, Brad. Uh, Bassett did great under short notice. Seems like exactly the kind of guy who can pitch where, whenever and wherever is asked of him. Uh, Marty in Wasega Beach says, I missed the start of the game. Why was Bassett brought in to start? He was brought in to start because Kevin Gosman was scratched today late after experiencing left side discomfort. He did undergo an MRI if you missed it but uh, did not seem to uncover anything super serious. So they were, I think, 
operating out of an abundance of caution today with Kevin Gossman, your your purported ace. I think ace is a term they use far too much these days. Having said that, I don't feel bad about using the term ace to apply to Kevin Gossman. There, there are probably less than 10 aces, perhaps in all of Major League Baseball. Maybe there's 12 aces or something. But I, I don't think it's right to say that every team has an ace. Having said that, the Blue Jays have an ace, and his name is Kevin Gossman. He did not pitch today because of the left side discomfort and we'll have to see what goes on with Gosman but uh, certainly perhaps some news we might maybe we hear today from John Schneider maybe we hear a little bit uh, from the rest of the team over the next couple of days but uh, Gosman at the very least is not going to pitch tomorrow you might think you just push that back by a little bit Kikuchi is going to pitch tomorrow and then you got the day off which does allow the, the rotation to be reset a little bit so I do appreciate that and uh, we will get to more Kevin Gossman in a little bit because I do want to talk a little bit about the rotation being rejigged, but we can save that for a little bit later. I wanted to get to the bullpen because Ben mentioned this uh, during the certainly during the broadcast, but in their wrap-up show as well, he did mention this. Uh, the Blue Jays' bullpen in the last seven games. Now, this was put out from Sportsnet Stats before the ball game today. This was put out around lunchtime today, right? So at 6 p.m. Eastern right now. So the bullpen in the last seven games, they are 5-0, have an ERA of 1.05, a whip of 0.62, an opponent batting average of 128, and a K-9 ratio of 11.57. That's phenomenal. That is absolutely terrific. Now, again, I, I get it. I know people are always going to say, okay, well, they played the Tigers. Okay, they played the Chicago White Sox. The Diamondbacks themselves are scuffling a little bit right now. I think they lost 8 of 12 coming into today. So even though they are no longer leading the NL West, which is itself just an insane thing, given how given how the other teams in the NL West, especially the Dodgers and Padres, look, looked coming into on paper this year. Uh, that is that is absolutely wild that they're even in contention for the division this year. And I, frankly, I hope they do it because they're they're a more exciting team. Who wants to see the Dodgers go to the NLCS or the World Series every every year, every other year? Not me. So I, I have a I, I wholeheartedly support the Diamondbacks when they do not play the Blue Jays. But the the bullpen last seven games five and zero record, an ERA of one point zero five, and today they continued playing very very well with Nate Pearson with Eric Swanson and. To me, shockingly, shockingly, Jimmy Garcia. Like, let's start with Nate Pearson, though. I I was a little bit surprised in at the point in the ball game it was. It was a one-run game. Jake McCarthy and Alec Thomas are guaranteed to come to the plate. Jake McCarthy was the first guy to come to the plate. Both he and Thomas are lefties. You got Perdomo, Marte, and Carroll. Perdomo as the next guys, if other people get on base, at the top of the order. Perdomo and Marte are switch hitters, and of course, Carroll is a lefty. I was genuinely surprised to not see Meza, because he would have seen the lefties at the very least, McCarthy and Thomas, but they go with Pearson instead. So he walks McCarthy in a one-run game. McCarthy then gets picked off, who had just gotten walked as his game-tying run. There's a strikeout and a groundout in there as well. Just 13 pitches from Nate Pearson after pitching yesterday as well in the first game of this series for Arizona. And now, because we've talked about Nate Pearson's couple of bad outings this year, but really, in, in all reality, apart from the two bad outings from him against the Orioles and the Rangers in back-to-back appearances, he gave up eight runs combined against the O's and Rangers on that road trip a couple of weeks ago. Eight runs combined. He has given up five runs over his other 25 appearances. He has 32 and two-thirds 
pitched and a 1.38 ERA in those other 25 appearances. That is phenomenal. Like, he is solidly, I would think, in the circle of trust. I know some people on Twitter were saying, oh, future closer material for Nate Pearson. I, I don't know about future closer for Nate Pearson, I will say. Having said that, I also think he obviously is so solidly in that circle of trust. I, I think I said in the spring training, if Pearson throws like a handful of pitches with the Blue Jays uh, this year at all, I view it as a success given that the, the very, very long road he has had to endure and walk in order to come back from all the various injuries. And, you know, he had mono and he had all these other injuries as well. Things that you can't necessarily uh, entirely control. I mean, Nate Pearson is as trusted a reliever as there is on this ball club right now. And if that's the case, if you have a bullpen that is comprised of, let's say, Romano, and I know he was down today, it would seem, uh, but Romano, Swanson, Pearson, Richards, and Meza as your top five guys, and Jimmy Garcia continues to, at the very least, very edge, you know, eke his way back into form, that's uh, a pretty good bullpen. All, the, you know, all things considered, you want to augment it somewhat a little bit because if you make the playoffs, most playoff teams you would think want to have multiple guys who can be asked for the highest leverage of situations. You don't want to always have to go to Jordan Romano to close things out. Or, I mean, I, I'm a big fan of not only limiting your closer to end the game. If, like, the eighth inning is coming up and the top of the order or the middle of the order is coming up, deploy your closer and then use your next highest leverage guy after that. That's I, I don't think there's any... And I know that's traditionally not what happens, but you know maybe we should see that a little bit more. But you can do that more if you have more guys who are capable of doing that. And I think the Blue Jays last year certainly did not. Jimmy Garcia was very, very good last year, less so this year. And like I said, he's pitching back into form. But I don't know. If, if for now, at least our, as we are 15 to 16 days away from the trade deadline, eh, it's, it's not bad at all. It's not bad at all. Uh, 416. 870-0590-188-666-0590, star 590 on your cell. Why don't we go to the phones? Billy in Markham has been holding. Billy, what's on your mind today? Hey, how you doing today, show? Good, man. How, how are you? How was your All-Star break? Show, I, I, you know, we watch some of these teams play, and, and you know, I, I follow all the teams, and, and I'm, I'm looking at this Diamondbacks team, and I'm saying, how in God's name are you doing it? I mean that that division that division just must not be playing well because I'd like to see this Diamondback team playing in the, in the American League East all year. Yeah, <laughs> honest to God, and I think a few teams that are supposed to be good should play in this American. I don't think people really understand how good this American League East is, and that that even goes for our bullpen. I'll judge our bullpen when we go back to back with the Yankees, Boston, and Baltimore. Then I'll judge our bullpen, and you know they're doing they're doing what they're supposed to do now. Good, we won it. We need the wins. We need to get into it, but. Um, but uh, I, I mean, wow! I, I thought this Diamondbacks team was a lot, a lot better than this, and they don't impress me one bit. But show the reason why the reason why I called in was, you know, I like something um, Buck said probably uh, I don't know a couple of weeks ago, and the reason why I like it so much is because I said it about three years ago, and I got laughed off the air, and, and I'm going to say it again: Why in God's name is George Springer batting leadoff for this team? He is our second best power guy, as far as I'm concerned. We've been looking for we've been looking for a number three hitter all year. Why do we not have a Shet lead off? Why is Whit Merrifield so far down in the order? I mean, do we forget that a couple of years ago, five, six, six Merrifield led the league in hits two years in a row? Why not have the old traditional lineup of 
a bull batting leadoff, Merrifield second. Merrifield's a whiz with the bat. Guys haven't seen how good he is when we have to hit and run or we have to, uh, uh, you know, bunt for a base hit. Whit Merrifield is a, a very good hitter that should be up in the lineup. And then that way, behind Vladdy, we have, I think, as our second best hitter, and that's, uh, that's Springer. Because he bats leadoff his whole, his whole career, I'd get him out of there. I, I'd like, I love uh, when Springer comes up with runners on base. Does he come through all the time? No. But even today, like, I, I find myself, and I know Bichette hit the home run late, but I find myself yelling at Bichette saying, Bichette, could you get a better pitch to hit when there's runners on base? How many times do you hit that little dink back to the, back to the pitcher or back to the first baseman? I, I mean, you know, and I know I'm nitpicking with, with Bo's having a good year, but I would like to see this lineup changed. I really, I really would, and I want Merrifield moved up and Springer move back. Simple as that. Uh, I'll listen and see what you got to say, show. Thanks. Hey, Billy, thanks for the call, man. Appreciate you joining me. Hope you had a good uh, all-star break, certainly. I, I honestly wouldn't mind seeing Springer moved out of the, the leadoff spot. I, I find it it's probably not going to happen, only because they're beyond the actual results, and I know Billy knows this, and I know everyone else knows this. I'm just going to say it because we're talking about this, but ultimately I do think a lot of the stature, quote-unquote, aspect of Springer having bad in the leadoff spot is effectively his entire career. I think the only couple times, a couple of years, maybe he did not bat leadoff was when he was a rookie and he was still, you know, earning the respect that comes with uh, playing for the Houston Astros at that time specifically. But he has bat leadoff more or less his entire career. So I think it would take something really monumental to move him out of the leadoff spot. Having said that. Bo batting leadoff, which we've seen a couple of times this year, or Merrifield batting leadoff, which we saw in the last couple of games. I think we saw it before the last couple of games as well, but definitely in those last two games before the All-Star break when Springer was put on the paternity list. Um, and congratulations to the Springers as well. Uh, but if, if that's the case, they're the only two other candidates you can bat leadoff, essentially. There was another text, actually. Um, where is it? Here it is. Uh, Nick from Toronto. Assuming guys are hitting the way we expect them to on this team, where would it be? Where would be a good spot for Belt? He walks a lot and has a fairly high OPS considering his batting average. Thank you. And I think it's a good point because I do kind of wonder if shifting around. And again, like like Billy said, I think we're nitpicking after the Blue Jays win a five-two game to go eleven games above five hundred. You are absolutely doing that. But I'm, I mean, if you're trying to find the optimal batting order, I wouldn't mind seeing the top. Four, maybe shift around. Obviously, it would it would somewhat depend on who is batting. Pardon me, who is pitching on the mound? Because let's say you did move Belt to for next question. Let's say you bat Belt fifth. Let's say Belt's batting five, and it's some combination of Springer, Bo, Chapman, Vladdy in your top four. Let's say that is some combination of that. Or, or maybe you move some of the one. Like maybe Chapman is bats fifth, and Belt bats sixth, and Merrifield's in your top five in some way, shape, or form. Maybe Merrifield bats leadoff and, and, and Springer bats second or Springer bats third and Bo bats second. Or, there's a lot of combinations you can do, as uh, as Billy was mentioning. Let, let's say you do do that. I, the only issue I find is that this team clearly wants to have some left-handed bats in there. And Belt is probably the guy, because who, who else are you going to bat who's lefty? Certainly not, it's not going to be like Nathan Lucas. It's not going to be Kevin Kiermaier, who is basically locked into the ninth spot when he does play, and he probably plays like what, four games in a seven-day week, or maybe maybe around there. It depends on, I suppose, the matchup. But they are, I think, wisely being careful with uh, 
with Kevin Kiermaier's usage at his age, given the various injuries he's had over his career. But you're not batting Kiermaier higher. Varsho still seems to be scuffling a teensy bit offensively, even if he is obviously still playing very well defensively, which you expect from him. But offensively, I know some people compare uh, Dalton Varsho to like Bradley Zimmer or Jackie Bradley Jr. in terms of his batting average, which is true. I mean, he, he's not he's obviously not those players. And there's still, what, four more years of control left on Dalton Varsho's deal. So there's still a lot of time for him to get better, and I have no doubt he will. But right now, he is not playing well offensively. So he is not going to be the answer. So if you want to have, if you don't want to have a parade of righties in the top five or six, you kind of have to have Belt a little higher, right? So I think that is, to a certain extent, why it is the way it is. But there probably do, probably does... There probably is a case, let's put it that way. There probably is a case for the batting order to be slightly shaken up. It's not you move Springer down to six or something because he is not playing poorly by any means. And, in fact, he's the one who opened the scoring today with the bases loaded, right? And he knocked that ball, laced it right over the glove of Rivera, right down the left field line or just past the left field, just next to the left field line. So there, maybe if you could get Witt, Bo, Springer, Vladdy, or Whitbo Vladdy Springer, and I see Chuck from Oshawa says I agree with Bo Vlad Springer. In my opinion, um, I do think that that is probably something that I would work with as long, certainly as long as Whit Merrifield's hot. I mean, the guy's had what four home runs in the last six games for Whit Merrifield. That might not continue, but at the same time, he's been playing very, very well. And you know, the, the Merrifield conversation, as long as we're having it, it goes back to one sort of text and calls we've had before. In so far as what do you do? With a 34-year-old, he'll be 35 in January. So before he'll be 35 essentially before the 2024 season starts. What do you do with him when it's a mutual option worth 18 million dollars? Like if Witt opts in, do you also opt in for the one year? And if Witt opts in and you opt out, I believe he gets paid 500k, which I know to like a, a professional sports franchise is basically pocket change. But still, I'm sure they consider it to a certain degree. But if Witt opts in, do you opt in? Does Merrifield opt out and see what kind of money he gets on the open market age 35 in what might probably be the last major payday of his entire career? If he does opt out and test the open market, do the Blue Jays pay him? Should the Blue Jays pay him? I personally like the idea of keeping Whit Merrifield around for a few more years, especially if you think he might rub off on some of the younger guys, especially if you think the production is sustainable at age 35, which for a lot of guys it is, but could he rub off on some of the younger guys in the organization? I'm not talking about Kevin Biggio or Santiago Espinal. I'm more talking about Aurelis Martinez or Addison Barger. And Aurelis Martinez, I mean, if all goes well, could very well be if Matt Chapman is is on a different team next year because he is certainly going to, at the very least, test the free agent market. Maybe the Blue Jays pay him. I feel like it it is perhaps unlikely because he is one of the better third baseman, if not the best third baseman uh, available on the market this coming off seasons. And as a Scott Boris client, he is almost certainly going to test free agency anyways. So if Matt Chapman is gone, Aurelis Martinez, if all goes well for him, and he has played very, very well this year, certainly compared to 2022, he's probably your starting third baseman. Could you put someone else at second base? I mean, do you want to give David Schneider a chance? He has been playing very, very well. Ben Schulman and I talked about this before, but Schneider is not on the 40-man. So to have David Schneider be added, there has to be some roster churn. If the Blue Jays you know, trade for a player, there would also be a roster churn as well. We're approaching the trade deadline. Maybe there's a chance to add a David Schneider in place of like a Nathan Lucas if that works out. But 
the Whit Merrifield situation, I find, uh, I, I just find so, so, so fascinating. Uh, let's take a very quick break. And uh, when we come back, I do want to talk a little bit about Kevin Gosman, who obviously did not pitch today, and what the ripple effect might be going forward, at the very least, to the towards this West Coast road trip. You have the Padres coming to town starting on Tuesday. They'll be here at the Rogers Center. And, I mean, despite what their record says, they're still a very dangerous ball club because any one of those guys, as we saw with, I think it was Trent Grisham earlier today, can smoke home runs. So they're a very dangerous ball club. And then they go they go west to Seattle and to Los Angeles, take on the Mariners and Dodgers respectively. What does Gosman's absence mean for that road trip i do want to have a conversation about that we'll do the trivia question to give away some uh, fun blue jays themed merch so stay tuned for that and of course we'll also do the bet 365 standings watch and take a look around the rest of the american league east still some time to give me a phone call 416-870-0590 590 star 590 on your cell we'll go back to the phone lines and go back to the people's text line 590-590, name and location. All that to come on the other side of the break. You're listening to Jay's Talk on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, but um, I, I've been on teams that are talked about a little bit last year. Um, I like when we're not talked about. It's, 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 a, lot, it's a lot funner. And that is Chris Bassett, who is uh, discussing... The bullpen. He was asked if he thought the bullpen was underrated. And his answer was, I like when we're not talked about. The funny thing is, the better you play, the more you probably will be talked about, funnily enough. But, uh, hey, the Blue Jays are certainly not complaining after they take the series from the Arizona Diamondbacks. A 5-2 win today. They take the series after the All-Star break tomorrow. Uh, the Diamondbacks will, I guess, try to salvage the series. You say Kikuchi will head to the mound for the Blue Jays as they look for a series sweep post all-Star break to open the, I guess, unofficial second half of the season. Uh, welcome back to Jay's Talk. Show Ali with you for about 15 more minutes. Still some time to give me a call. 416-870-0590. 590 Star 590 on your cellular device. 590-590 is the people's text line. Name and location. It is always open. I'll go back to the phones, back to the text line in a sec, but I did promise we'd give away more stuff. So why don't we give away our trivia question right now? So uh, we have a couple things for you to pick from. You can pick from a Vladimir Guerrero Jr. gold glove bobblehead. Uh, there's an Alec Manoa bobblehead as well. We have the Chappie Couture shirt from today. There is technically also that straw hat from Canada Day, but let me tell you, that thing is massive. It is a ginormous, is it not, Tom? It is a ginormous hat. It's, it's huge. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not sure we're shipping that to you. So you can pick from the bobbleheads or the shirts because they fit very comfortably into these little bubble mailer things or boxes or whatever, right? But uh, why don't we get to the trivia question? Matt Chapman, I feel like this is apropos because it was Chappie Couture Day. Uh, Matt Chapman crushed his first career home run for Oakland on July 15th, 2017. He actually hit two home runs in that game, funnily enough, and they both came off the man who would go on to win the American League Cy Young Award that same year, 2017. Who was that pitcher? Text me his name at 590-590 and uh, leave your name and location. You will be entered into a draw to win one of the items we mentioned earlier, the shirt and either of the bobbleheads. You can pick one of those. So I will pick the winner off air with our Wheel of Fortune-esque randomizer uh, to give a chance to the podcast listeners to enter as well. But I'll pick those guys, whoever the winner is, uh, perhaps tomorrow afternoon. And uh, we'll get that out to you. You can uh, communicate with me, pick uh, whatever prize you want. But again, the trivia question, 
Matt Chapman crushing two home runs on July 15th, 2017, both off the same guy. Who was that pitcher? So just text me his name and, and your name, name and location, to 590-590, and you'll be entered into a draw to win. All right, time for the Major League Standings Watch, presented by Bet365. With Bet365, you can watch thousands of live games, and you can build you can build your own bet, and you can even make a, a bet while the game is still being played. 19-plus, play responsibly, Ontario only. So the Rays were in action early today because they got rained out yesterday against the Royals. They did win game one of their their doubleheader today. I believe the final score was 6-1. to one. Jose Siri just continues to dominate. He is no doubt already in a career high of home runs, but he's been playing very, very well. He had two home runs in that 6-1 raise win. The Boston Red Sox got crushed today by the Chicago Cubs. Uh, Cody Ballinger hit a grand slam and in that same game, so Boston trailed 6 nothing early, Three walks, two defensive misplays, one hit by pitch, and then the Bellinger Grand Slam all coming off of James Paxton. Unfortunately, I hate when it's – I wish it was literally any other pitcher because, of course, Paxton is Canada's own – a native son of Canada. And, uh, unfortunately, I, I dislike when he pitches poorly unless it's against the Blue Jays. Uh, all coming against him in the third inning. He actually had 30 innings across five starts uh, before the All-Star break in which he allowed a combined six runs. And today he allowed six earned runs in the third inning alone. But uh, that game is final. It's a 10-4 Cubs win over the Red Sox. A game two for the Rays goes at about 40 minutes. And uh, the, let's see here, the uh, Yankees, that's right, are taking on the Rockies in about an hour and a half. Clark Schmidt, Connor Siebold will go in that one. So with all that being said, here's the standings watch for the American League East uh, as of right now. The Tampa Bay Rays with their win are 59-35. and 35. The Baltimore Orioles are going to take on the Miami Marlins in about 40 minutes. So prior to their game, they are 55-35. and 35. The Blue Jays with their win are 52-41. and 41. Like I said, 11 games over 500. Uh, the Yankees uh, with about ahead of their game. They did lose last night. They are 49 and 43. And with the loss, the Boston Red Sox are at the rear of the division. They are 49 and 44. So the Yankees are just a half game uh, in front of the Red Sox for the fourth place spot in the American League East. And as we take a look at the wild card race, the division leader is still Rays, Rangers, and Twins. Wild card teams right now still Orioles, Blue Jays. And Astros, Blue Jays are a game up on the Houston Astros. Uh, Astros are 51 and 41. Blue Jays are 52 and 41. So that's a quick check of our Major League Standings Watch, brought to you by Bet365. All right, why don't we talk a little bit about Kevin Gossman? Because I got, got some texts about what's the deal with Kevin Gossman? What's going on with Kevin Gossman today? So, like I said, he uh, suffered the left side discomfort, which was something he felt before the All Star break. Probably, I would think something that factored into his non-participation at the All-Star game in Seattle. Also, probably a nagging injury that the Jays hoped would clear up by now. Obviously did not. Obviously he did not pitch today. I do wonder about when we will see Gosman going forward. If you map out the starts, and it's kind of hard to do because you never really know what the Blue Jays are going to do, but if you try and map out these starts, here's how it looks, right? You all get the day off on Monday, including me, which is nice. Uh, Padres are here at the Dome Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. In Seattle, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Then they go to L.A. They take on the Dodgers the following Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. There's a day off on Thursday, July 27th. So let's say, for the sake of this conversation, 
they do not IL Stint Gosman retroactive to a certain date because they always can, and they most teams do do that, right? But And keep in mind it's the 15-day IL for pitchers as opposed to the 10-day for position players. Let's say Gosman stays off the IL. In theory, because of that off day, you can still start Manoa on Tuesday and then actually go to Barrios and Bassett. Like he, You could, in theory, see Gosman in the Padres series, but if you wanted to, you can start Manoa on Tuesday, Barrios and Bassett Wednesday and Thursday. I, you, would, you would have otherwise gone with their normal days of rest, rotation starts. So at the earliest, maybe you see Gosman on Friday and you give Kikuchi an extra day of rest, or Kikuchi starts that series in Seattle against his former team, Maybe he gets a nice ovation. That would be kind of fun. And Gosman buffers the rotation with a start on Saturday. Now, if Gosman goes, so today is Saturday. So if Gosman goes a week today, Saturday, July 22nd, that would be against the Mariners in Seattle. Then he'll have last pitched on Saturday, July 8th. Of course, in which the Jays got no hit by the Tigers. We don't have to relitigate that, please, and thank you. Uh, But that will mean it will have been two full exact weeks since Gosman last took the mound. I would think that is probably enough rest for something the team says is not a huge concern, but we'll see if there are any developments from the team this weekend, um, maybe, maybe later tonight. I know John Schneider spoke. We'll play that audio in, in two seconds here. But, I mean, if he if he does go to the IL for 15 days and it is retroactive to a certain date, maybe he would still be able to come back by next Saturday anyways, depending on that retroactive date. Uh, but we will have to see. I do think two weeks, like the team is so confident that it's not something super serious. I feel as though he probably will pitch. So um, why don't we actually hear the audio from Kevin, Go- pardon me, from John Schneider, who gives a bit of an update on Kevin Gosman. So here's Schneider with the media. With Gossie, it's still kind of day to day, you know, um, feeling better today than he did yesterday. And, you know, you get through tomorrow with um, you say on the mound and then the off day Monday and see where we can, you know, put Kevin to the rotation. So uh, much like Jordy, it's kind of a day-to-day thing. See how he comes in tomorrow, see how he's feeling, and kind of go from there. See, that that doesn't sound like a guy who is ready to put Gosman on the IL. Like, it really – I know day-to-day is such, like, a, a nebulous term in sports, like day-to-day with a high ankle sprain or something in, in football or day-to-day with a lower body injury, whatever that means, in hockey or, or whatever, right? Like, the injury reports in basically every sport are so mysterious because they could literally mean anything. But it really does sound like Kevin Gosman is actually day-to-day. It, it does feel like to me – I'm not sure you really want to mess with – the starting rotation, Barrios is pitching well. Bassett pitched pretty well. Also, maybe tomorrow you, you hope you get at least five innings out of Yusei Kikuchi. It wasn't that long ago right here at the Rogers Center. You got seven innings out of Kikuchi. So you're hoping you get the good Kikuchi tomorrow and not the uh, maybe less of command Kikuchi <laughs> tomorrow as well. But I've said this already a lot this year. If you get, let's say, uh, five innings and two earned runs or three earned runs or less, from Kikuchi, even if it may not be a quality start. I think you take that most of the time. But if that's what you get from Kikuchi tomorrow, you can still on, after the day off on Monday, still go Manoa, Barrios, Bassett, Kikuchi again for the next four games and see Gosman with two full weeks of rest, which you would think, if you're not ready to put the guy on the IL, probably will uh, make you feel a little bit better. It, it does make you wonder what they will aim for with the rotation. Uh, right now, we've basically gone back to a temporary, temporary, quote-unquote, four-man rotation, and you hope that Manoa carries over a decent start. Again, I know they're the Tigers, but you know you hope you car- he carries over some things 
maybe even if it's just the processes that he had got done for himself. You know, we saw him drawing the lines in the bullpen and kind of making the, the motions with his arms to the front and off to the sides to kind of tell himself in-game where he should be falling away from the mound to continue that process. But you hope he continues all of those things to, to another start against the Padres. But with no Gosman, you're, you're somewhat shorthanded but can manage thanks to the day off on Monday. But how does Ryu factor into this, right? Like, when Ryu returns, do the Jays move to a six-man rotation? Do they trade him? A lot probably does hinge on the play of Manoa. But a part of me feels the best usage of Ryu, and he is pitching, I believe, right now in Buffalo. It's another rehab start for him. Uh, the best usage for Ryu is simply to put him into the six-man rotation. I mean, like, what if another guy gets injured? What if someone else falters? Right, you're best buffered by having another starter, and Ryu, you would think, is certainly better than literally any other starter in the minors. Like, do you really want to tax the bullpen that's finally gotten to a good place more by going back to a Bowden Francis, Trevor Richards combo? And they're good. I'm not don't get me wrong, they're they're good. But do you really want to go back to that knowing that the bullpen is in a good place right now? Maybe Francis is good enough to get you four or five innings himself. Maybe he's stretched out a little bit more. It's definitely possible. I'm not sure if it's super likely. Ryu is still a better option, right? I do wonder if he looks good right away. Uh, you know, maybe maybe there's, there's a trade out there. Maybe there's a trade market out there for him. I mean, like, you know who could use a pitcher right now and already kind of intimately familiar with Ryu? The Dodgers. Like, they have a whole host of guys on the pitching staff either playing poorly or who are straight up injured. I'm not sure any, they or anyone else are going to necessarily hinge any plan on Ryu, but I do wonder if he might not be a trade candidate. But, I mean, ultimately, no one, no team should be pinning hopes on Ryu because he's 36 years old. He's got a lot of mileage on an arm that has now seen Tommy John surgery as well. Anything you get from him is a positive. Um, I have a lot of time for him, actually. Super nice guy. I sincerely hope he pitches well. But I just don't think you can count on it, if that makes sense. Like I said, Bison start today. BNS had said earlier that it was around 65 pitches uh, is, what, is what's been allotted to Ryu. Uh, the Jays are looking to get him to 85 pitches, which might take another, let's say, two minor league start. So if that's the case, he would most likely return certainly after Gosman does. I'm thinking maybe 10, 11 days, but he could very well return in that three-game set against, of all teams, the Dodgers, his former team on the West Coast, which honestly would be really cool. It just, it's kind of surprising for me, and I think a lot of you guys feel the same way. It's genuinely surprising to me that Given the Tommy John surgery, we are closer to seeing Hyunjin Ryu, and things seem to be going very much on track for him. We'll have to see how things go in Buffalo today, but ultimately, you know what, Ryu, I thought he would maybe pitch until September, and now here we are, and he he might very well pitch before the beginning of August, which is absolutely phenomenal. I hope he pitches very well down in Buffalo, because... I would love to be continuing to discuss Ryu on Jay's Talk in the not-too-distant future. But thank you for listening to me and to Blue Jays Baseball, brought to you by Crown Rust Protection. Now that summer has arrived, it's road trip season. Make sure your vehicle is protected from rust with Crown. Visit Crown.com for a special summer offer today. Crown, Canada's number one rust protection. Don't forget, we're doing that trivia question. Again, uh, Matt Chapman hitting two home runs on July 15, 2017, both coming off of the same guy who will go on to win the American League Cy Young in 2017. Who is that pitcher? Texas name to 595.90. We'll enter you into a draw to win some Blue Jays merch. That does it for here on Jays Talk. Ben Wagner, Ben Nicholson-Smith, Tom Young, Andrew Adams, Nick Blackmore. I'm Shoah Lee. Tomorrow, we'll look for a series sweep. I'll talk to you then.